You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Man, what an awesome day last Sunday. Man, wasn't it incredible? Yeah, so many volunteers made that a, a really special, special day. Not only that, but just the worship was incredible. Uh, the baptisms obviously were incredible. And uh, man, I, I just don't want us to get tired or used to uh, things that God is doing in our church. So can we just tell Jesus thank you today? I mean, th- literally, let's tell him thank you and let's give him an applause. Come on, church, let's worship him because he is good and he is working and uh, we're, we're here to serve him today. And uh, man, I'm excited about that and I hope you are as well. You know, as a church, the next series that we're about to jump into is called Let's Go. And um, it's really important over the next four weeks that you guys be here because we're really going back to our vision for the church, our focus for the church, and, and uh, we're going to talk about the next steps for the church. And that obviously includes the auditorium and, and uh, all the things that that's going to bring with it as well. So uh, please make it a priority to be here and jump in. And, and obviously, you know, if you're a sports guy or, or, or gal, you know, when you're playing sports and somebody hits a three or somebody makes a good tackle, whatever sport you play, the first thing you do when you jump up and when you're excited is, is say what? Let's go. Yeah, we don't know where we're going, but that's the first thing that, that comes to our mind. And so, you know, the idea for us is, is like, we want to go. We, let's go. God is doing something big here. Um, and, 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 and we need your involvement. And so that's what the, the, the four weeks is going to really center around. And then during the series, we have what we're calling Let's Go Week. And Let's Go Week is about 30 plus different projects and ministries for you to get involved in all throughout the community. And so that's what Taylor was alluding to and talking about. You can text that um, and, and get the link. You can actually go to foothillschurch.com slash go and, and, and get it as well. So if you forget, you can go see that. But all over the community, we want to make a huge impact. We want to serve our community. And so let's go. And uh, we're going to do it together. And God is going to be honored. And uh, we're, we're truly excited about it. Um, Today is our final sermon in the Gospel of John, and so kind of a a sad day for me. I have loved going through the Gospel of John. How many of you guys were here when we started John chapter 1? How many of you guys were here? All right, lots of you guys. So so what we did, we, we... probably, I guess, 35 sermons. It started in, in September of 2014. And the reason why it takes this long, because it's a long book, but also because we would do six to 12 weeks, then we would take breaks and do other uh, sermon series in between that. And so we find ourselves in John 21 today. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Let's go to John chapter 21. And, and uh, as you're turning there, how many of you would admit that there has been at least one time in your life where you have failed Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand and say, man, I have failed Jesus. All over the room, I think um, we would all agree that at one point or another, we have made a mistake, we failed, we have messed up, we have let the Lord down. So this week, I wanted to, you know, I'm always trying to be real from the stage. Who I am up here is who I am at home and on the weekends. And so I hope you, you get that. I hope in your small group, you guys model that openness and, and uh, you're, you're real with each other as well. And, you know, I was asking the Lord about a story that I could share um, to, to start this sermon off. And so I prayed about it and I said, Lord, could you give me one, one story that, that uh, I could tell on Sunday that, 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 that in a way that, that I failed you? And, and could, you just, could you just do that? And man, immediately, instantly, God, God gave me a story. And and then uh, like hundreds of other stories came to my mind, and I was like, whoa, 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 God, I said one, I said one, you know, and, and so I thought about this story, I was 15 years old, and I was in, obviously, high school, and, 
you know, when you're 15, lots of things are happening. Your body's changing as a dude and you're trying to, you know, enter into new social settings and trying to be cool and trying to make friends. And, you know, we all had a certain group of people that we wanted to connect with, we wanted to be accepted by. And that was certainly true for me. And at 15, you kind of figured out the dosage of cologne that you should be wearing, you know, because prior to that, as an eighth, ninth grader, you used way too much, you know, and you were giving people headaches with your cologne. And I don't know, like even young kids today are into smelling good. I axe is all the rage, you know. I go up to my son's room and it's like this big cloud of smoke. And I'm like, this is the Shekinah glory of God falling upon my son's room. No, he's just emptied a bottle of axe on himself. And so, um, son, you, we can do your laundry. You don't have to just spray yourself to overcome that bad smell. But anyway, um, we're... You know, I'm 15, and, and I, I get invited to this party, a party I should not have been to. And, and, and my friend that got me into the party is introducing me to people, and it's exactly where I wanted to be at the time. All these cool upperclassmen are there, and I'm meeting all these people. And, and one guy in particular, one of the coolest guys, you know, that I really looked up to, he, he introduced me to this guy. And um, the guy recognized me as being, you know, Ron Stewart's son. And he said, hey, isn't your dad a pastor? And I was like, oh, no, I've just been outed, you know. And, and my friend, he jumped in. It's funny what you remember as a kid. My friend jumped in before I could even say anything. He said, yeah, but don't worry. He's not like them. He's cool. And what he meant by that is don't worry. He doesn't, he's not one of those crazy Jesus-loving people. Don't don't worry, he's not one of those crazy guys that, that loves God and that acts like them. Don't, don't worry about him. He's, he's not like that. He's like us. He talks like us, he goes where we go, and he does what we do. So don't worry about that. And my response is, is yeah, I'm not really into all that stuff. Now remember that story, and it brings back so many emotions. That really encapsulates who I, I wanted to be at that stage of my life. And so when I... I read the story of how Peter denied Jesus three times. I relate so well because the truth is that's just one example of where I denied Jesus. That's just one example of where I denied that I was one of his disciples. That's just one example of where I let him down, where I acted like he was not a big deal, where I acted like he wasn't important, and I failed him. And maybe you too could admit the same thing today. Maybe you too have found yourself living life as if He's not that important, as if it's not really that big a deal for you. It's not a priority, and, and uh, you can kind of take it or, or leave it. And you too have experienced the failure that Peter and I have experienced as well. So what do we do when we fail Jesus like this? How do we overcome this? And how do we overcome these mistakes and the sin that is in our life? I think our scripture here in John 21 uh, shows us a few steps that we could model uh, to help us overcome this in our life. And as we do, the setting of this story is at the Sea of Galilee. And so if you have never been there, um, you've never seen pictures, I brought a picture for you because we were there last year. Show that first one. This is a beautiful, beautiful area. People go there to vacation and it is just absolutely breathtaking. The scenery is great. This is actually the Sea of Galilee. They also call it the Sea of Tiberias because that's just, uh, it's the same place. And, you know, it's awesome because when you're there, it's like Jesus, it's like the first century because nothing has changed. It's like he could still show up and this is what it would look like. It's just kind of untouched. It's kind of country and it's just gorgeous. And so this is where the, many of the disciples grew up and this is where they're fishing here in 
chapter 21. So let's dive in. It says this, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So they go out to fish. And they fish all night and they did not catch a single fish. And just as day was breaking, the sun's coming up, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, there he is again, that's John. You know, I've given John kind of a hard time for saying this about himself, but I think the reality is Jesus had a really special, unique way to make people feel loved. He had a really special way of making people feel valued. And so when John writes this, it's not being, you know, arrogant or anything. He really, truly believed that Jesus loved him. And so, you know, Props to him. Verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. So let's let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, Peter takes the lead. He's the leader of the group, and, and he says, I'm going fishing, and they all follow him, and it's been about a week since they saw Jesus for the second time resurrected. And it's just kind of unique how they experience Jesus. They've, they've witnessed the miracles. They witnessed the cross. They witnessed the resurrection now. And they still just go back to the familiar. They go back to what they know. They're not, you know, building the church yet at this point. They, they don't have the Holy Spirit at this point. And, and so they just kind of, after these great experiences, just find themselves going back to the normal uh, sea of life. And, and the truth is, we do the same thing. You've experienced the spiritual high. Maybe it's a Sunday morning, an Easter service, one of your kids accepted Christ. You accepted Christ. Something great happened. A miracle happened. You're all pumped up. You're jacked up for a while. And after a few weeks, it's like, boom, right back to normal. You just go right back to what you're used to. You go right back to what is normal. And that's where these guys are at. I mean, they just go to what's familiar. Peter has failed Jesus, he goes out to fish, and he's failing yet again. He, he's a fisherman, and yet he can't catch any fish. And so you can only imagine the discouragement, you know, what are we doing with our life? Like, Jesus is here, he's gone, now we're fishing again, we can't catch any fish. You know, what's, what's going on here? And, 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 and what I hope you can begin to gather today is that, that just because you've failed in the past, Just because you don't quite understand your purpose today doesn't mean that God doesn't have one for you. And here's the reality. Your purpose is not behind you. Your purpose is in front of you. And so as as the people of God, we've got to overcome our past mistakes and begin to look at the new thing that God wants to do. So if you want to overcome your mistakes, if you want to overcome your failures, the first thing that I would say to you today is Jesus would say, I've got something new for you to do. I've got a new thing that I want you to accomplish. I've got a new thing that I want you to try. And so Jesus is calling each of us here today to try something new. He told the disciples to throw the net on the other side of the boat. You know, throw it it on the other side of the boat. And they caught so many 
fish that the nets were full. And, and, and John was, was there, you know, and they didn't know it was Jesus until this happened. And it almost kind of hits him like a ton of bricks because he has experienced this before. Earlier on in their life when they first met Jesus, they were fishing. And remember Jesus said, hey, Luke 5, I, I, he says, throw it out into the deep water. And, and they said, hey, we've been fishing for a long time, but if you say to do it, we'll do it. And they do it. The nets are so filled with fish that they begin to break. And so this happens. And John's like, wait a minute. I've experienced this before. This is Jesus. And as soon as he, he does that, Peter jumps into the water and swims toward Jesus. And you've got to put yourself in their shoes for a second, as, as, as hard as that might be. But that had to be hilarious. I mean, just imagine if one of your buddies did that while you were fishing, you know. It would just be funny. So the disciples, I'm sure they're laughing. Jesus is laughing. And, and what's funny to us, too, is we read this, and, and, and Peter puts on his outer garment and then jumps in the water. Like, what is that about? I mean, because if we were going to jump into the water, we would take our shirt off, right? Take your shirt off, at least the guys in the room. <laughs> and we would take the shirt off, take our shoes off, and then we would dive in. So why is Peter doing this? Well, they had so much respect for their rabbis, so much respect for the teachers of the law, that they had a tradition that, you know, when you, when you encountered and you introduced yourself, when you greeted uh, a rabbi, you had to be clothed. You couldn't just be wearing your wife beater from, you know, fishing. And, and so he had to put on his outer garment, he jumps in to properly greet Jesus. And so it's just interesting to me. They had to be frustrated Frustrated with, with, you know, not catching anything. Frustrated with, with their life. And it's really, really easy for us to get frustrated in life. And I think the reality is some of you are frustrated today because you haven't embraced God's purpose and plan for your life. And listen, you will always be frustrated until you do that. Until you accept his plan. Until you, you know, begin to live that plan and that purpose. You'll be frustrated. You'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be frustrated at work. And you'll blame your boss, you'll, you'll blame other people, you'll blame your spouse, you'll blame anybody and everybody that you can in order to try to make yourself feel better about your current situation. But the reality is, until you surrender to God's plan for your life, you're going to be frustrated. And these guys were frustrated until they decided to do the new thing that Jesus was asking them to do. They had to be reminded that Jesus was calling them to be fishers of men. So something even bigger is taking place at this point. And Peter realizes that it's the Lord and he jumps into the water. He's, he's kind of irrational at times, but I love that about him, you know. And, and the truth is, here's what Jesus does. He, he inspires in us extreme responses. And so when he sees Jesus, he, his reaction is to jump into the water, to leave the fish behind, leave, leave his buddies behind. Why? Because Jesus, oftentimes, he inspires us to do extreme things. And people look at us and say, I can't believe you're doing this. And you think, well, this is what God's calling me to do. And on paper, it looks like a bad deal. And on paper, it doesn't make sense. And, 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 and to everybody around you, it's like, man, I don't know about that. But you're like, no, Jesus demands, Jesus inspires a radical response. And a lot of times people don't get it. But when you're connected to him, you understand. Now, here's the other thing I love about this. Now, remember, Peter is discouraged and Peter has denied Jesus. And yet he's still running to Jesus. And Well, he's, he's swimming to Jesus at this point. But I love that about him because what it tells us about the Lord is that he willingly embraces us even in our mess. And you don't have to get yourself cleaned up to come to Jesus. In fact, you'll never be able to do that. He, do, he, he encourages us to come to him just as we are. 
And Peter, in his sin, in his discouragement, in his frustration, he runs to Jesus. I would encourage you to run to Jesus, no matter what you're facing today. No matter what burden you have in your life today, I think the scripture would encourage you to run to Jesus. Let's look at verses 9 and following. So, when they got out, uh, out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. And so they, they bring the boat back. Peter has, you know, swam to shore. He gets out, and here Jesus is around a fire. Now, when is the last time Peter and Jesus have been around a fire? Well, it was in the courtyard where Peter denies him. So very interesting. The two places we see a fire in the Gospel of John have to do with Peter and Jesus. And so here he is, and he's got fish laid out, and he's cooking breakfast. And uh, he's also uh, serving bread. So in verse 9, with fish laid out on it and bread. Now, when is the last time that Jesus and the disciples have eaten bread together? The Last Supper, when Jesus said, this is my body, as often as you eat it, remember me. And so, so this is a very special, incredible uh, moment, and it's a big moment in the life of Peter. So verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. And we know they are true fishermen because there's a few specific details here that you want to you catch. And the details uh, say this, they hauled the net ashore full of large fish by the way, I'm sure Peter wanted that in here. And there were 153 of them, just, to, just, just so you know. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. So with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now the number three is a significant number in the Bible. If you've not noticed that, this is the third time the disciples had seen the risen Savior. Um, Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days. Uh, Jesus was in the grave three days. Over and over again, we see this number. It is a significant number. And in this point here, we, we learn that Jesus is, is not just some floating spirit. He's not like this ghost spirit that floats around. He's a real, he's in a real body and, and, and it's a resurrected body, so it's different, but at the same time, it's a real body. And so you and I, you know, when the Lord returns and, and uh, he gives us our resurrected bodies, we will have a body. When, we, we, you know, when we're in eternity, we're not just going to be spirits floating around. And so, so we know this because Jesus is eating food and he's enjoying this time around the fire with the disciples. Now, remember this. Remember what Peter said before he denied Jesus. It's actually recorded in Matthew 26. Jesus is predicting that the disciples will all scatter and they're, they're going to deny Jesus. And, and Peter says, listen, Jesus, while all these guys might fall away, I will never fall away. Remember that? That's in Matthew 26, 33. And then he does the very thing that he said he wasn't going to do. Now listen, That had to be so discouraging. In fact, the Bible says that Peter went away and he wept bitterly. So remember that story a few weeks ago. And we remember just how terrible that feeling must have felt for Peter. And so he's discouraged. I mean, what do you want to do when you're discouraged? You want to quit. You want to change venues. You want to change marriages. You want to get rid of your kids. You want to do all kinds of things, right? You want to change the scenery, uh, why? Because when we're discouraged, our natural, like, sin nature thinks that if I, if I get out of here, if I leave, then it will make things better. But here's the reality I want you to embrace today. 
even when we are following God, discouragement is always a part of his plan. Discouragement is always a part of God's plan for your life. So don't be surprised when you're discouraged and and don't let discouragement distract you from accomplishing the will of God in your life. And I would be lying if I said discouragement isn't a part of of ministry. It, It certainly is. I mean, Read the Bible. Elijah was discouraged and he was serving the Lord. You know, he, he was ready to end his life. You know, you look at uh, Jonah's life. He was discouraged. You, you look at Paul's life. He was discouraged. Peter was discouraged. Moses was discouraged. See, the reality is, man, I, I get discouraged too in ministry. There are many a day I'll drive by Starbucks and think, I wonder if they're hiring. Because <laughs> it would be easier, man. I can make a mean cup of coffee and I wouldn't have to deal with the stuff that I have to deal with. And, and you think, man, if, if I just changed venues, then, then that, that would be better. Now let's go back to fishing for a second because the, this is true for us when you, when you fish. When you're fishing, you always feel like the, the good spot is just out of your reach. You know, when you're on the shore and you're fishing, you're like, man, if I could really get it out far, I could get the big one, you know. And so we're trying to throw it as far as you can and And then when you're out in a boat in the middle of the lake, you're like, man, we need to go in the shallower water. And so you get closer to the shore. And you always think that the best spot is just out of your reach. And and inevitably, if you're a fisherman, you see a spot and you think, man, that's the spot. I got to get there. And you try your best to get in that spot. And and you'll get your lure hung in 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 a weed or something trying to get just in that spot. And see, the disciples don't have to move anywhere. They don't have to go anywhere. They just simply have to listen to the words of Jesus, which said, here's the deal. Just just drop your nets on the other side. Our first instinct is to move, to leave, and maybe practically sometimes that's, the, that's what we have to do. But, but I would say this, it's not where you are, it's who you're listening to. And are, are you the kind of person when you face adversity and discouragement, you just want to change and leave and move? Or are you the kind of person that will, in the midst of discouragement, listen to the words of Jesus? Because that, my friends, is the most important voice to heed. And I think wherever you're at today, if you'll listen to his voice, then I believe he can do an incredible work in your life. Because following him is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And when you run a marathon, sometimes you hit a hill and you've got to run that hill and your thighs are burning and you think your lungs are going to burst. But then you go down the hill. And that's what, that's what our journey with the Lord is. It's a series of ups and downs. And, and that's how he designed it. All in an effort for us to give him glory and give him honor we have to realize that we've got to embrace this process of growth. And whatever God has brought into your life, he is calling you to it. He doesn't call you when you've figured it all out. He doesn't call you when you've cleaned yourself up. He doesn't call you when you get rid of all your sin. He calls us in the midst of our failures. He calls us in the midst of our sin because his call is a call of grace. The call of Jesus is a process of embracing growth. It involves discouragement. It involves hurt. It involves pain at times. But it's the process that we must embrace. And Peter is getting ready to experience it. Let's look at verses 15 and following here. This is a a very intense moment for Peter's life. It's sad, but at the same time amazing what Jesus is doing. Verse 15, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, who are more than these? Well, 
It's either the 150 plus fish there or the disciples. So I'm going with the disciples. I don't know about you. So do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was hurt. He was in pain. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why is Peter grieved here? Well, remember, three is an important number in the Bible, and especially in this case, because Peter denies Jesus three times, and three times Jesus asked him to declare his love to him. So much more is happening here than just Peter declaring his love. Jesus is forgiving him. Jesus is taking him back to this painful moment in his life where he denied Jesus, where he lied to Jesus because he said he would never do it, and then he did it. And then he rejected Jesus three times. And so this is a huge moment in the life of Peter. Jesus was not through with Peter just because he made a huge mistake. And you've got to hear that. Some of you have a moral failure. Some of you have have mistakes in your past that you can't get over. Some of you are still struggling with it right now. But God is not through with you. Jesus wants to recommission you. He wants to give you a new purpose because that purpose is out in front of you. It's not behind you. So a few things and I'll close. The first thing is do the new thing Jesus is calling you to do. The second thing that I think Peter is experiencing is that he is facing his sin and he's confessing. He's facing his sin. Jesus is taking him back to the moment because of of, of the threefold declaration. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Now a lot of times you'll hear preach that there's two different Greek words for love. There's the word agape, which is like the God love. And then there's the phileo love, which is the brotherly love. And so that's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. But, you know, the reality is throughout the Gospel of John, he uses these words interchangeably. And so I think that's reading too far into the text. I think the point and the reality here is that Jesus is really recommissioning Peter. And, and he's, he's asking him to face his sin. Peter is embracing his Uh, love for Jesus. He's embracing the forgiveness that Jesus offers to him. And this is the point. And some of you need to embrace this point of actually receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. You've heard about it. You've asked for it. But you continue to struggle with guilt and shame over these things. And and you've got to trust and believe in the words of Jesus. He forgives you. So in order to overcome your failures, in order to overcome these mistakes that you've made, You've got to be ready to do the new things, but then you also have to face your mistakes. You can't keep running away from them. You can't keep ignoring them. You've got to face that problem, that mistake. You've got to own it and then confess it. And Peter, I think here, is is doing just that. The third thing that I see uh, that he is doing is he's prioritizing his love for Jesus. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me more than these? Yes, I love you. Three times he's declaring this love, so he's prioritizing his love for Jesus. And and, and so we want to ask ourselves today, where does our love for Jesus rank? I mean, where is he on your priority scale today? Is he a part of your life around Easter? Is he a part of your life every day of the week? Have you really given your life to him, or is it just when you need something? 
You know, where is your priority to the Lord Jesus? He demands we put him first in everything. Now, I'm reminded of this every April because every April we have to do our taxes. And every April I'm reminded of where I rank Jesus in my life because Foothills Church sends me a statement that shows me how much money I gave to the church, I gave to God. And so that really is a tangible way for me to say or to see if I really truly prioritize Jesus in my life. Because if, 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 if the truth is I've prioritized, you know, my cable bill more than Jesus, it'll tell me. If I prioritize my cell phone more importantly than Jesus, it'll, it'll show me. And the reality is we spend way more money on kids and athletics a lot of times than we do the work of God in our life. And, and there's, there's just a reality check there. There's a gut check there that we have to embrace when we open up that piece of mail. Where does Jesus rank in your life? I think he would call us to prioritize him if we're going to overcome our, our failures in our life. And the final thing that we've got to do to overcome these failures is to live with purpose. To live with purpose. This is what Peter is receiving. He's receiving a new purpose for his life. Because every time he declares his love, every time he says, yes, I'm prioritizing you, Jesus, in my life, Jesus says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, take care of my people. In other words, stop living for yourself. Stop living selfishly and start living unselfishly. Start impacting other people's lives. This is the mission. This is the recommissioning of Peter. And I believe today there are many of you who need to receive a recommissioning from Jesus. You've allowed your mistake to hold you back. Maybe you've allowed your laziness to hold you back. Maybe you've allowed your age to hold you back. Jesus is trying to do a new thing in you, man. For so many of them, you're fighting him. Whereas Peter would, would run to him. Peter would swim to him, actually, and embrace the arms of Jesus. And notice, Jesus, again, he's not pointing to specific behavior. He doesn't say, you lied to me. Are you going to lie to me again? I'll put you in time out if you lie to me. Are you going to reject me again, Peter, because you did that three times? Are you going to do it more? He doesn't go to specific behavior. Great parenting tip, by the way, something I'm learning. Jesus is more concerned about his heart than a specific behavior. And I think the truth is, as parents, we need to look at that as well and stop focusing so much on our behavior and start focusing more on our kids and their heart because their heart is more important. Their heart is, is, is what's determining those behaviors. And so, Peter, do you love me? Have you given me priority in your life? And for my own children and my own family, it's like, where is our heart at? Is, is your heart to be accepted by, by teenage servant girls, Peter? Because there was a time in your life where, where you were more concerned about acceptance from a teenage servant girl in that courtyard when you denied me. You were worried what she was going to think or say. I look at my own life. Turner, are you going to be more concerned about what these friends or what these people you want to be, who you want to be accepted by, uh, care about more so than, than loving me and serving me? Or are you going to go back to the old Trent? No, he doesn't go there. He's focused on my heart. And, 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 and for me and you today, my, my challenge is, is to land on this bottom line. Here's the bottom line. Forgiveness is so valuable and needed. And at this time of year, we've focused on it. We've thought about it. And the reality is this. Failure 
is overcome by forgiveness. Every time. Every failure that you've experienced is overcome by forgiveness. The forgiveness of Jesus, maybe the forgiveness of a spouse, a forgiveness of a friend, but you're never gonna overcome your failure until you first understand and recognize that you are forgiven. Some of you maybe have never received God's forgiveness. You can do that today. Many of you would say, man, I'm a believer. I've already given my life to Jesus, but, but I've never truly believed it. I, I continue to struggle and trust God with that truth. Listen, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what failure you have in your life, failure is overcome with forgiveness. And so some of you need to forgive somebody and some of you need to receive that forgiveness. And here's the great thing. Failure is overcome by forgiveness and forgiveness is followed by purpose. This is amazing. When we receive that forgiveness and experience that forgiveness, it's followed by a new purpose, a new thing that Jesus wants to do in us today. He wants you to stop being selfish and he wants you to stop, start living your life for other people, to impact other people with his love and his truth. And to do that, man, you've got to try the new thing. You've got to face your failures. You've got to receive that forgiveness. You've got to prioritize your love for Jesus. And then you walk in this new purpose. It's a glorious thing. Peter had to go through it. It was hard, man. It was a struggle. He had to face this. Just look at what God does in his life after this moment. He's the leader of building the first century church in a revolution of, of faith and love and transformed the world as it was known. And you and I are here today as a result. Man, God wants you to embrace his forgiveness today and live with a new purpose. I wonder as we close today is if there's some people in here wrestling with that failure, wrestling with that mistake in your life and you continue just to kind of kind of bump heads with that. You've never really, you've never really overcome it. And today maybe you would you would hand that over to the Lord and receive that forgiveness today like never before. I wonder if some of you would say, you know, my priority is not on Jesus. And man, that's the thing that really hit me today. I've got to prioritize him in my life. Maybe some of you would say, I have, I've got to face my failure because I, I've not faced it. I've ignored it. I've tried to run from it. You know, I've, I've, I'm running from relationships. I'm running from job to job, whatever it is. Have I faced this failure today? Some of you just need to be real and say, you know what, I, I, I know God's got something for me. I'm just not doing it. Maybe you were serving before and you're not anymore. Maybe you were in a small group before, but you're not anymore. You've allowed discouragement to stop you from that. Isn't it time to embrace this new thing God has for you? Let's pray together. Ask the band to come and sing a song and maybe you'll sing with us. Maybe you'll just let the words just kind of pour over you today, but it's called you alone. The reality is God alone, Jesus Christ alone is who we can trust and who we can receive this forgiveness from today. And and I just wonder if some of you would just show God today, hey, this is this is this is me today. God, I can feel you speaking to me and there's an issue in my life that I need to turn over. I need to overcome this mistake or this failure. Trent, would you pray for me today? You just lift up your hands. Anybody at all say pray for me today, Trent. I see you hands all over, hands all over. This as an act of, of a kind of a statement 
a physical statement to God today. I recognize you're speaking to me. This is where I'm at. I'm going to pray for you guys today. I'm going to ask for God's healing in your life today. And as I do, um, we'll close. And the words of this song are so powerful. Just hear them. That the, the words of this song, when this life has overwhelmed me and I feel like giving up, I will cling to all you promised. It will always be enough. So true. You're a fortress for the weak. You're the strength that carries me when I'm on my knees. And the cross reminds my heart to trust. Your faithfulness and love will always be enough. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. And your faithfulness and love will always be enough for us. And Lord, I I think there's some truth in this song that the cross reminds us, reminds our heart to trust you. Some people in the room right now need to trust your forgiveness. Maybe they need to trust you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that your spirit would overwhelm them, encourage them, strengthen them. God, that your hand would, would bless them and they would feel you today. And they would lay down whatever mistake they've had. They'd confess that to you. And they'd commit to do the new thing you're calling them to do today. Lord, we feel your presence today. And you alone are worthy. You alone, God, can forgive. You alone give us strength to move forward. And and so we trust you. And we walk in that today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.